0: When you Google the word Cedric, guess who comes up first? Hey, I'm Chris Cuomo, Cedric the Entertainer. One of the great blessings of being able to do the Chris Cuomo Project is to talk to people that I believe shape and influence the world around us. And when it comes to entertainment and comedy, you don't get the title, one of the kings of comedy, lightly. Cedric the Entertainer is such a great study in The hustle, the diversity of talent it takes to make it in American media today, and he is just downright fun to talk to. Thank you for subscribing and following. And here is a great conversation about how we got to where we are in America and what it means about where we're going, all through the lens of what makes us laugh. Cedric the Entertainer. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Done With Debt. Let me tell you, we're all dealing with it, especially in American culture, right? Because we're so credit sensitive. We have so much available credit. People take advantage of it. Often it takes advantage of them. High interest credit cards are real. Loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. Inflation keeps just taking away what you can pay, keeps you stuck in almost a paycheck to paycheck existence. Done with debt can be a lifeline. Done with debt has this ingenious new system that gives you a way to deal with debt faster and easier than you probably thought possible. See, Done with debt analyzes all the debt options that you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills, cut interest rates. They have a skilled staff of negotiators that know how to get debt out of your life. Ready? Permanently. Done with debt has a bunch of experts. They've been doing this and they know the best strategies to reduce and remove debt from your life. But you gotta hurry, because some debt solutions are time sensitive. Here's how easy they'll make it. If you go to donewithdebt.com, that's donewithdebt.com, right? D-O-N-E-W-I-T-H-D-E-B-T.com, you can find the answers to your debt problems. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from Cozy Earth. Let me tell you, bedding matters. And this isn't just me telling you this. In a recent survey, 7 out of 10 parents said that they get an average of 3 hours of sleep a night in the baby's first year. Hello, Greg. Now, mommies need quality sleep, and bedding will matter. There are other variables, but here's one that you can control, okay? When we made the switch to cozy earth, I noticed the difference. I did not know that fabric or textiles could really be temperature sensitive, meaning if it's cold, they keep you warm. If it's warm, they can kind of cool you off. I did not know that. I know it now because I have cozy earth, okay? So this Mother's Day, Why don't you treat the mamas in your life to the luxury they deserve with Cozy Earth Bedding and Sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health? Doesn't she deserve it? Mm -hmm. Don't forget, use my promo code CHRIS at checkout and you'll get 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Okay? When you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down and that will make me very happy. Let's begin with how busy you have been for so long. Um is that a point of pride yeah. for you?
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, uh coming from St. Louis, man, you know, the idea of you know having something to do like 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 a man, like I guess, you know, I now was a the only boy in a single parent household, my mother and me and my younger sister. And so you definitely took on this idea like of showing that you were kind of worth your weight in gold, like so you go to work, you do what you gotta do, you make it, you hustle it. Um, and I started doing my comedy career like this, something that I called stacking, where I would like, if I could make $100 on Wednesday nights and make $500 on Thursday and then make, you know, another 600 on the weekend, that's how I would count my week. So I would work, you know, I would work a job and then do whatever I could at night to go find these little gigs, and pop it around. So it's been my way ever since. Like even even in good times, I still like you know, I got the show, we do movies, but I'm still like I'm I'm on tour right now. Like I still just go get it, man. That's me. And then we when he had that family uh, joke, if and if I see a nickel on the ground, I'm gonna pick that up too.
0: <laughs> the And it was a choice uh, for you because a lot of education in the family. Your yeah. sister's a professor. Yeah. Um, you got a communications degree. Yeah. What was the vibe in the home when you said, but I'm an artist and I'm going to grind and I'm going to go this way? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, because, you know,
1: my mother, who's a school teacher and worked, you know, from a rural town and then built her way up and, you know, and of course taught for 30 years. Uh, education was it, you know, that was the thing. So I went to school, I, and, I, and I did the right thing. I was working. I had a good corporate job, if you will. I was working at a State Farm, and then I came in and just told my mom, I was like, I, don't know, I, don't, I want to be a comedian. But I told her this when I was younger. Not a comedian, but I remember Fame was out, and I wanted to go to a performing arts high school because I could sing, I could dance, I could do it all like when I was younger, and I was just like, Mom, I could do all that stuff, and she was like, I know, babe, but you know, the only performing arts school in, in St. Louis was on the other side of town. It was a busting situation. She was like, no, you know, only, you know, you're my only son. Nope, not doing it. Did so, she think you were funny? She did. She did. She definitely enjoyed me as my personality and thought that that was pretty clever. I tell you, when that was one of those uh, key transitional moments when I knew that, um, that I could make it as a comedian was telling my mother that I didn't want to do comedy. And then I told her a joke I had written and she laughed so hard she went to the ground. We were in a kitchen in at our, at our house I grew up in and she went all the way to the floor. And I was like, yes. And, and, and she was
0: like, oh my God. You, you are a rare combination of... Now, D.L. Hughley says, I only think it's rare because I don't understand that every comedian used to be this way. But that you can storytell. Yeah. You can hit with a one-liner. yeah, You can act. And you can own a character. Yeah. Uh, I watched online uh, a clip of you and the Mammoth play. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was like, you know. Yeah, man. Uh, the, yeah, what was it? Uh, the uh, American, American Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. And that range, yeah. when you didn't study from a performing arts stuff, how did you develop the process of being able to do all those different types of well, I think my, my, early, my early
1: comedy was based off, like, emulating people. Like, so I would, like, you know, I would take, you know, family members or people from the church or somebody, and I would really, in, like, kind of, you know, envelop them into whenever I'm telling a story. i do their walk, their attitude, their, you know, their mannerisms, you know. So uh, when I started to act, that was the key thing that I really wanted to do was take a character – and then try to find out exactly who that character would be in a situation. So, you know, uh, I did study acting a little bit in in college. I minored in it, but, you know, but uh, never, like, got that formal, formal training. And so, you know, know, when I had the opportunities to do dramatic roles, I always felt like I kind of surprised people. Even when it was, like, even, like, in uh, Barbershop 1, was a comedy but you know a few of the scenes were very heavily dramatic matter of fact one of the first things i ever had to do when i went on set was that and that's when i really realized i love acting you know not from a sitcom point of view but like oh like i want to act now too you know so
0: what do you think about comedy today i mean it's it's it's
1: weird because you know, you have this thing where, of course, anytime you say something that is, of, you know, of any discourse, you know, you, you're you going to find people that's like jumping on top of you, right? And that's a weird place to be with comedy. I mean, I guess to a certain degree it's always been like that. You kind of go back to, you know, I remember Lenny, you know, like and it was before my time, but I just remember Lenny Bruce was considered somebody extremely controversial for the things that he said uh, and he was then, just cursing yeah and then you know Richard Pryor went through an era where it was like everything was banned and you gotta listen to it in secret and you know go downstairs and close the door and close the curtain and listen to a Richard Pryor album um, uh, so but then you know it, it felt like of course it was a boom you know you had the deaf Comedy Jam years and uh, you know everybody's doing HBO specials and it's popping off and people are, are doing great and then you know like this last few years very challenging about you know what it what it is that you want to say, you know, and and free to say, right? And I I've, I've never been a comedian that feel like people should go out and be rude, like just intentionally rude to someone, or um, you know the kind of the kind of thing where you're intentionally hurtful, like you know you're saying something hurtful, you know it, but you just like ah oh, this is funny to me, eh, you know. But again, if it's funny to you. I mean, I guess it's comedy, man. So, I mean, you know, we we. I, I mean, I thought Chappelle said it best because we, we as comedians, we are in the atmosphere with them and very rarely are we truly mad at someone for their point of view unless, you know, like we know like they really stand on it. If it's super racist or something like that, all right, you're going to have a problem with that person. But in general, if they say something that's like crosses the line or they, you know... You know, if you're you're funny and you're doing it because it's funny, you get a pass in the comedy lane. It's like this thing, like, eh. You used to. Yeah.
0: It's always been a little dicey, yeah. But I got to tell you, I watched the Chappelle thing very carefully. I didn't cover it that much. Yeah, One, I had a bias because I'm a big fan. And it wasn't for me to decide whether or not what he was saying was offensive. Although there's a big agency problem not yep. so much in black america as there is in this new manifestation of minority of lgbtq plus sure. there there's a lot more uh, advocacy of agency for them sure. like you don't have to be a member of that community to say hey don't offend this group it's not always been like that where, you know yeah. black people have had to defend themselves along exactly. they had allies but not the way this group has allies, which was part of Dave Chappelle's point. Exactly. Which is that he, he, the way he said it was, I'm jealous of how far you've come so fast. But did you worry that it was going to take him down? No, I never did because, you know,
1: Dave is definitely one of those uniquely uh, prolific comedians for me that I I already know he says jokes with a degree of empathy and thought. Like he could, he'll he'll say it raw though. Like it will be raw, but you know, to know him, to know him personally is to know that like this dude is thoughtful. It's like he's not up there just saying something. What was really great was to I felt like when he got to the the, the third part of that special, and you found out it was a true story about a real person, then all you could do is eat your words because you realize like I'm not I'm not generalizing here. I literally was talking about a very specific thing that at the end, the own group, y'all condemned the person more
0: than I did. So it's like, oh, wow. Has it encouraged you? You've been doing it so long at such a high level. Is this the kind of pressure that makes you want to do more stand up and to address these things? Or do you see it as an opportunity to create an alternative to how much heat there is out there? Or does it make you want to minimize being on the road and do other projects
1: no i still love being on the road i still love doing stand-up i i I generally tend to go and spread joy though that's why you know my my attitude cedric the entertainer come on out come laugh let's have a good time now of course you know like and again you never really know where the landmines are so you can say one thing that's like people can find uh, you know, they can find it a little offensive, and next thing you know, you've crossed into the sandbox. So, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. What, but I find no fear in that. Like I, at this point, and maybe because again, I, I believe like my intent is really to make you laugh and have a good time and be joyous. If I missed it, if I, you know, for lack of you know or ignorance or on subject matter, and I kind of missed the point. If you bring it up to me and let me know, all right, cool. Let, let me let me deal with that. But, you know, I'm not going to just back down from a fight either.
0: That is a, a dicey point. When do you apologize? Should you apologize? Now, I've apologized for things, but yeah. I was always strongly counseled to do so, and I had sure. to respect the organization. You know, the organization thinks that, you know, you shouldn't have said this, so yeah. you do it. But I do wonder, when I give people advice when they're in trouble, I say, be careful about apologizing, it's because so true, right? it is an invitation. Like in life, uh, you know, I, I did something, I missed something, I said I'd be there for. I call you up, I said, "Look, I'm sorry." Right. And either I have an excuse or I don't, but I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Okay. But in the media, you apologize. It's basically just an admission. Yeah. And they will beat you over the head with it. Yeah,
1: and that's that's that is. It's such a slippery slope, and this one, you know, of course. Uh, You know, that's one thing that we always felt because Chappelle didn't have any alliances to any corporation at the time. He was really a person that can go out there and say what he wants to say and just kind of stand on it. Other than Netflix, he had no place to really be like, okay, this is over for me, right? Uh, You know, me, I'm a CBS guy, right? I'm a big corporation dude, you know, it's Paramount. Uh, It's a giant. So, you know, if you... If you do go out there, you know, I know that our fan base is a little older. It's very Midwest. So, you know, if you go out there and you just kind of like just for the sake of a joke and realize that you crossed the line, then maybe, you know, but I try to in general, you know, believe in the things that I say and the things that come out of my mouth. And if I can, if I, if, in, if indeed I can fall on the sword, I will. If, you know, as far as just me just going like that, I'll take it. It's on me, but. And I'm not gonna apologize because it's on me, but I haven't been put in a situation like that before. I remember on Barbershop one, that was that was kind of interesting. That was my, my first time having that kind of controversial situation, and it was within the script. But then we pushed the whole Martin Luther King thing, and uh, and and my character was saying things that again the um, the you know the black um, civil rights society, the, all the civil rights were very upset about it. and I was getting calls like in my house, you know, Jason Jackson and, and Reverend Sharpton and everybody was calling me like, yo, what you? What's, what's wrong with you? You know, and I was like, I was like, yeah, everybody acts like, it's nobody that lived in that time that had a dissenting opinion about any of those things. Like, it's, you know, that's all I'm saying. It's guys that, and we were in the barbershop. It was a person that had a dissenting opinion. He just didn't believe in none of that. That's who I'm playing. I'm, and if I can trust
0: that, then you know, I don't mean to offend you, but you know, you know. How do you balance that as somebody who's had to live the challenges oh, uh, in a business that wasn't always inviting um, on the hustle? How do you balance? I guess if it's a big name like a Jesse Jackson or something, then there's something cool about the fact that he's upset in the first yeah. place because he matters, but. How do you balance how you feel like you know in just researching your rise that you know I don't need you to tell me how to respect uh, what I am in terms of my race like how, yeah. how do you balance somebody telling you when you're over the line about how you talk about your own people? You know,
1: I mean it is one of those things where you realize that people have all of these opinions and and most people are basing their opinion off their own their own knowledge. They don't have the experiences you have. they don't they don't they haven't run in the circles that you have. And so most of the time I'm willing to listen and hear someone out. And if again, if you're just ranting or you're trying to like hold down some banner, and most of the times nowadays it's because people are trying to, you know, be at the forefront of some particular thing, right, that they'll attack you. And it's, you know, whatever the banner that they're carrying, they want to be the ones that say, no, I went not told, say this, you know. And you be like, man, get out of here with that. <laughs> so that, that's the main thing I kind of listen for. If you got something reasonable to say, Uh, You know, I mean, even in that particular case, Jesse Jackson said the most reasonable thing to me. He was like, this is not really about you. It's about 10 years from now, some kid in Brazil getting, or some kid in in the the African diaspora getting just that clip, used as a clip, and saying, this is who Martin Luther King was based off this character. He was like, I just want to protect that. I said, your argument with them. That ain't with me. I'm an actor. (laughs) I, th- I got it so I can embrace what you're saying like as a as an overall thought but you know but yeah, as an actor I'm like making a choice right
0: did you ever think that I mean that was a one-off I, re- yeah. I remember that luckily it wasn't now yeah uh, like I often think if Tropic Thunder happened now and they wrote I don't what? know that they would write a part no way for even a, an actor of you know Robert Downey Jr's status. To play, it was in blackface, even oh though he was God. technically a white guy playing an Australian guy playing a black guy, whatever. Do you think they'd even make it
1: now? Oh, uh, no.
0: No. And is and, that okay? You know,
1: I, I don't, and I don't, as far as the art goes, like again, you can't, just you saying that right there is so creatively unique that you go, like, that's a funny thought. Because this is the other thing that we always talk about. We temper ourselves, even when we find out that, um, you know, black English actors from play Americans were always like, "Did you have to go to England to get this dude right?" <laughs> you know, like to play this black guy right. So the 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 irony of an Australian actor playing a black actor is is and having a white American actor playing Australian. It's like the irony of that is super funny. It's a very Ben Stiller kind of funny too, yes. right? And so if you indeed understand people's brands and their kind of sense of humor, you have to allow that, right? This is the American way, but you know, right? We're just so sensitive, you know. One of my biggest things that was saying is that we often trap ourselves as African-Americans when we can't necessarily do extremely creative things because we know as a race, we'll just stop it ourselves. Like in my, one of my favorites is the movie Step Brothers. Cause it's a silly movie, but if you would have did that with two black actors, the black people would have been like, "Why they gotta live with their mama? Why they? Why ain't nobody grown? You know?" And we would have just been hating on the movie before you. Like, it's a comedy. It's crazy. It's, it's 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 satirical. It's not that serious, but you can't afford to be like not taking the the real plight of the culture into effect when you put the image out.
0: I think the challenge is are real and right. But I also think that what you do is also the solution. I mean, one of the reasons I was chasing after you to get you on here is uh, I think that we need your art now more than any other time in my life where we need to know what to joke about and what's okay and how we can deal with things. Like We really forgot that because- We weaponize everything now. Yeah. I mean, right now, we're shooting in a city that is on high alert um, in a way that I never anticipated, and uh, everything's weaponized. Yeah. Everything's, but I think comedy is the pass-through on that, because at some point, you got to laugh
1: about certain things. And And the thing is, is that, you know, that's so funny, because you can write something with, you know, definitely with a intentional sense of humor. But if you miss that little small line of, like, missing the target, that's it. That's how small it is. And so people just don't take the chances because if they miss that target, like, yo, if I hit it, then you get it. Everybody like, oh, that's brilliant, hilarious, right? But if you miss it just by a half a bit and it's, hey, man, hey, man, what what, what was that all about? You know, bro, you can't be doing stuff like this. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got this movie I love, and I've been wanting, and, and I end up having to just kind of stop. It, it's, it's based off, it's, it's called Mariachi, and it's basically based off my my father was like a very white type singer. They left me in Mexico because they was moving drugs, and as a baby, they decided to put the drugs in the stroller and leave me down there. And then I grew up with a Mariachi family, but I sing soul music. So, you know, like while they sing all these mariachi songs, I add all these soulful riffs to it. You know, ooh, ooh, yeah, <laughs> baby. it's like, what that is not how this song goes, but I can't help it. And so, but again, I wore the mustache and the and the big sombrero, and it was was it appropriating, was it rude, was it crossing the line, have to you have to kind of temper that. And so nobody bought this movie because it was one of these things where it was like, Mm, we don't know if we could do that right now. People Crazy. don't want to
0: take risks. How does yeah. that change your process when you're developing material? How, but like, how does it come? Does it just flow to you? Is it observational from what you see? Yeah. Um, do you do you think and construct? What's your process?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I'll um, I'll mainly I'm I'm fairly observational in the way I kind of construct a joke. Uh, a lot uh, oftentimes it'll be kind of come from conversation, though. If I'm, like, talking with somebody, I will see something very interesting uh, that'll happen that'll, like, spark a thought, and then that thought just kind of rolls on, which is the old-school comedian way. This is what we call the the green room comedy, where you, like, take one thing, and then you just start building on it until you actually have the joke, you know? And it started out just like, oh, man, water, you know, sparkling water, you know? It's good, but then it's like, all right, when well, it gets scratched my throat. And then you know, like, what scratches your throat? Next thing you know, you're doing a whole joke about, ah, look at that. You know, I don't, I don't know. It just morphs into a joke. Ah, I got a smooth voice, and then I drink sparkling water. Now, look at this guy. I'm Rocky's coach.
0: Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Man, oh man, if you are a listener, you know how I feel about Athletic Greens, okay? AG1 has been a go-to for me for years. Why? It's easier. It's price-effective. And it's better. Instead of all the different bottles and how many pills and at what time and in what combinations... They did all the research so I could have complete confidence in my routine. One and done, man. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs. Gut optimization, stress management, immune support. So for me, I really combined all of these different needs into one one, which became AG1, right? Every scoop. Probiotics, the digestive enzymes for gut support, magnesium, which is big for me, B vitamins, energy support, adaptogens. They're all in there in the right levels, right combinations to help support immune health. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs every day. And that's why they've been a partner for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. You try AG1, you're going to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and you're going to get five free AG1 travel packs. And that's just with the first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com ccp. drinkag1.com slash ccp. Check it out. Support for the Chris Cuomo Project comes from AG1. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you know that I take my health seriously, right? I'm an aging athlete. I'm dealing with long COVID. That's why AG1 is a big part of my game, and I have been taking it for many years. Why? Because it's one and done. I don't have to worry about the combinations. I don't have to worry about the price the same way. It's so much less expensive than taking all these things separately. And it's the deliverability. It's just a scoop and a glass of warm water for me, but you can put a scoop of it in whatever you want, and boop, down the hatch, and that's that. People ask me all the time, AG1, do you really take it? Yeah, it's all over my house. And I've been drinking it for a long time, and I think it works. I have partnered with AG1 for so long because they make a high-quality product that I trust to have as part of my routine every day. So, you want to replace whatever you're doing now? Start AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com ccp. That's drinkag1.com slash CCP. Check it out. When you look at the whole diversity of interests now, um, you know, people who know you know that you really picked the perfect stage name for yourself because it is entertainment. You can do all different forms, whether it's hosting or acting or stand-up, and that makes you special. What is hardest for you what has been the biggest challenge for you professionally oh
1: man you know i think is the idea of you know what how do you put this is you know having to qualify your ideas to a group of people that are not like you so you know this has been the biggest thing in hollywood is to kind of go in and say hey this is something i think is great and then have to have a, a, a room still of non-African-Americans, mostly people who don't really kind of get the sense of humor decide that this is something I want to do. And, and so, you know, you'll find, like, people just don't have, and I say this pretty clearly because we don't have any comedians other than Kevin Hart with brands anymore, right? So it used to be, you know, you know, you can know a guy had a brand, like they can do their comedy. Right now, you know, and It's kind of changed in general. Overall, I mean, you know, if you think about is is Sandler, who can do his own thing, and Will Ferrell's, you know, these guys that kind of come out of that uh, Saturday Night Live camp. Uh, but then, on, anybody black that can, that's a comedian that can get a green light to do a movie is Kevin, you know. And and so it's weird because no Martin Lawrence is, you know, Eddie, of course, is a you know super superhero a comedy but very rare is it that idea like my my sense of humor is something i can just walk in a room and sell around town and be like let's go you know no no thoughts no thoughts they know we're gonna do it let's go
0: and the one-off on that is tyler perry right where he just decided
1: to build his own kingdom totally, totally different machine right and that's you know and that's so applaudable because uh of course when he took a chance being that because you know and, you know, and the fact that he did it kind of outside Hollywood was really, you know, you know, he was like truly one just well person that kind of believed in himself all the way anyway, because he had the the kind of the theater plays, which was the bread and butter that nobody knew about. Like he can just tour around the country and, you know, and have 75, 80 million dollars and nobody knows it. Like, you know, you're like, yo, like, what did this dude do? Get all this money. <laughs> Like, Mama, my daddy's at the mall. They'll play the hit gospel musical. Mama, your daddy's at the mall. Mama, is that right, daddy? No, nah, baby. Oh, star is Cheryl, Pepsi, rap. <laughs> you know. It worked, though. Yeah, but it kills, right? So, <laughs> so, but he was able to do that and then build a brand, like, back to back. And so, I think, you know, definitely one-off and... And unique, and and, and, and so, um, and, but you don't get to have that. You don't get to have, like, five of them. You know, like, why is not it five Tyler Perrys? Like, you know, like, just people with lanes and being able to create stuff and just do it on their own, so.
0: And you've reached beyond also. You and Anthony uh, Anderson yeah. are going to get into the food game. Yeah. Mm. How so? You know, I mean, of course, we we
1: so Andy and I have been friends for a long, long time. We did the barbershop movies together, uh, and then, uh, but and we would actually travel, we golf and hang out together, and, we'd travel, uh, and so we travel. Who's best? Clearly, I had to give it to him at this moment. At this moment, he he's got he hits a longer ball, but I got it like a, I'm a smoother player though. But he hits a long, he is a long ball. Would he agree
0: and, that you're a smoother player? Yes,
1: he would. He he, just, he has to know I'm smoother. He has to know. Yes.
0: When he's not in the yeah, room, he yeah, definitely he has
1: to know it. He has to know. He has to admit it. You know, he probably won't, but he has to kind of admit, yes, I got a
0: smooth. Guy. So, whose idea was it to get into uh, the barbecue? So, game? it was both of us. We were
1: actually, well, I was doing some, I was doing some meat stuff with uh, my wife. She, we we started with cookies. She, my wife, cooks and everything, and and does. Uh, we started with cookies, and then we kind of got into this. Uh, we met somebody that was going to take us into, uh, you know, prepared meats like these kind of like quick meals you can do. And, and from there, uh, then Anthony was going to do a sauce and we got to talking about it and, you know, we had another business partner that knew us both and was like, we can make this a bigger, bigger idea guys. So we sat and talked and now, you know, we're, we're going to do, uh, a true, you know, branding. I mean, you know, grills, tools. Uh, lifestyle, like we're 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 the barbecue guys. We're gonna really try to build this brand out with restaurants. It AC a- Anthony Cedric Barbecue, AC Barbecue. So it's really cool. AC Barbecue. Um, um, uh, we got a TV show that we're gonna shoot. no uh, shooting it for A and E, uh, and then uh, doing got restaurant partners. We're gonna do exhibitions, you know, exhibits, you know, big uh, Coachella esque, you know. You know, the, the, the you know, of, of barbecue, the big. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, we're going to go hard. You know,
0: a, an unofficial pastime of national correspondence Because, you know, I've been to all 50 states. I've been to many of them, you know, many times. You get to understand barbecue yeah. in a way that certainly in the Northeast, we're, we're still just, you know, tiptoeing into it. You know, people smoke. You know, I have friends right. who smoke stuff. But, you know, region. Yeah. flavor, yes. wet, and sticky, <laughs> sticky, rub, dry rub, you know, brine. Yeah. I mean, it is very specific. It Those is.
1: competitions are no joke. And, that, and that's what's going to be really fun. And, you know, and actually because it's like that, nobody's actually really captured it to be able to make it, you know, this kind of holistic space where, oh, I, I, you can help me understand this because, yeah, you got a whole thing that happens in the Carolinas that's totally different than in Tennessee. Of course, Texas got their whole thing, you know. And I'm from St. Louis, so, you know, we got our we got our own rib. The Cattle Gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that
0: that space is something that we thought was I'm rib. a fan yeah. of the St. Louis beef Oh, rib. oh yeah. The, the baby back right. is obviously known. Yeah. But I've spent a lot of time in St. Louis. That's my move, too. And I'm a beef rib guy. Yeah. Not as easy to get. It is. Not as easy. Not as easy to keep yeah. it moist. I have a yeah. friend who uh, smokes— on a regular, he doesn't have it right. Still doesn't have it right. He does not have it right. Yeah. I'll does eat he, them because I'm a mooch. Oh, uh, he absolutely right. knows it. Okay. He listens to this. He will hear it. He will say, thank you for not naming yes. me. They name naming names. And I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, no. we'll just call him John Haley. Yeah, you know, of just course.
1: Yeah, just, ran, ran, just, just random, random regular could, That could be anybody. Anybody, that's a, anybody, um,
0: but not the. The person everybody. that we're calling that, really has some work to do. Yeah. And that's why I think there's a space for you to fill. The, what do you have to deal with? You have to deal with, well, one, it's a burgeoning market, but it doesn't have celebrities like you guys. No. Um, the other thing will be the wellness people will the come will at you a little bit. Now, I people, believe you yes. should get a pass because you know if you're eating this, this is a sometimes thing. Right. You know? But- have you given any thought to that? Of everybody wants to like live to be 120 now, and like, yeah,
1: I mean, of course we're, we're gonna do vegan ribs. <laughs> We've all, we already have our that's a huge, we, oh, it's a huge market, untapped. We have organically grown cows who are <laughs> the tofurky a, market to, to, is a yo, big they deal. Love it. The toe, it's a toe brisket. It's it's. it's our, I you know. believe
0: that people want to enjoy. I think coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, People were locked up, were locked up on a lot of levels. And I think that people are really coming out of wanting to live life again, wanting to enjoy. I think your timing is great on that. I think it's a good time for you to be on tour. What do you see uh, when you're out with DL or alone? What is the reception like now? What is the appetite? Uh, Of course, you still got people a little wary of being in crowded spaces. But what are you seeing in terms of people desire to laugh? And to see life differently, they're out,
1: man, and I—I I mean, I, I was really uh, kind of pleasantly surprised by that. I mean, we're—we're we're doing, you know, like the hockey arenas and stuff like that, and in some big arenas, but—but uh, but, you know, ten, eight, eight to ten thousand people, like, easily showing up at these shows. So, and they're out, and they're together, and they're having a good time, and so. I actually do a whole joke about it. Like, I was like, look at y'all. Like, yeah, look at you, brave souls. You know, <laughs> I'm up here.
0: <laughs> well, people I'm are like, coming out but of a place I, of fear. Yeah. And how much do you match your material to the moment? Uh,
1: you know, I think it's important to kind of really kind of be of the moment. And as and sometimes as local as you can be, too. Like, uh, you know, uh, D.L. is, of course, a pretty, you know, and he goes right before me on it on the stage. And so he's a pretty, you know, he's pretty current on, on all things and, uh, you know, but he can be more political than I am. So, so, but as far as like, if I'm in a town and I can find out like something that's happening, like local there, I usually try to make it my business. If it's decent little story, you don't know, I'll go and and try to pull that out on stage and see if I can turn that into a joke. Uh, but in general, yeah, you know, check, checking the climate of what's going on in the world I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lay into, you know, super political issues. And, of course, I feel like, you know, someone like Trump has just been so beat up in the last few years that if I cannot do a Trump joke, I just won't, you know. So uh, if it's something that's super good, like, I mean, you know, if you know, I don't know if he can get arrested and, you know, he goes to jail with Big meat or something, you know, I don't know. Like, that'll be... You want to be the mommy or the yeah, daddy? I want to be like, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like I'm like a big
0: bitch. <laughs> like, like, like Trump in there with the in the bank with the boys. That going could be different, but I doubt it. I, I'll be. It'll be a good sign if we can get to a place where we can joke about any of that, because we're nowhere near it now. I haven't seen yeah. barricades around the city like this in a long time. Hopefully, they're unwarranted. Yeah, um, but I do think it reinforces the need to laugh oh, and for, and sure. for people. To have a a different way with it. How do you balance being so busy? You got six kids. um, And six six kids. kids. You You got six kids.
1: Oh, my God. Chris, man, my wife would be I've like. I've read in three different places. you got kids. nine
0: kids. I not Eight kids. Six kids. One place said you had two kids. I got one. So I'll play to the middle number. I got a funny. I got this one kid that is a
1: running joke in our family that, like, happened on my Wikipedia somewhere. Then I got this other kid. And my, my daughter came up and asked me. She said, Dad, who's Tinky Flots? I said, I don't know, baby. She said, I oh, have a sister. I said, I don't know. I don't know about this kid, but I got three kids and a granddaughter. So I got four kids. Got How do you balance it? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I I really, really feel blessed to have a, a beautiful wife that's like, keeps the, the house super solid, like, you know, and and have us all bonded and uniquely. And so, uh, but that was one of the reasons why I really stopped doing movies a while back and started and made a choice to do television so that I could have a regular kind of home life uh, because, you know, Movies weren't being made in Los Angeles, and so um, we were all everywhere, Vancouver, Ireland, Prague, you know. So when I started to do television, and especially multicam television, he gave me a regular schedule. I can come home. I can be with the kids. I can pick them up from school some days. I can take them to school some days. And so I was just a part of it. And, you know, I mean, my son, who's 22 now, but he was on his spring break last week, he came on the road with me. He was on tour. We hung out. You know, he, he loved it. We had a great time. I do the same thing with my daughter, you know.
0: Are they performers?
1: No, he's like, a, he's um, an artist animator into the arts thing. And my daughter is, uh, she's in the business. She's actually doing a uh, uh, lip gloss line. And and she's very serious and studying, you know, business and communications at uh, LMU. And and so they And the other know, five kids, kids, what do they do? And the other five kids, you know, they're all over the place. <laughs> Doing them things, I got. I'm hoping one turns into a big time basketball player that I can come through later on in life and go, Son, I'm your father.
0: (laughs) Once once they get really,
1: really big. Yeah, once
0: they go go huge, I'll show up. Are you happy that they don't want to be in the business? Yeah, you know, my son does want to
1: act a little bit, and he's, you know, but he's kind of doing it his own way. Like he, 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 you know, he went to go study in London, uh, you know, a couple years ago. And he came back and he, you know, felt like he wanted to go more towards the arts. And then recently he started taking an acting class again with like a big-time acting coach. And so I think he's just kind of doing it at his pace. He doesn't come come and ask me for roles or for me to hook him up. He'll go and do his own audition. So I feel like he cares about it, you know, in a personal way. And not expecting to just kind of you know uh use nepotism or something to just blow up right so I think if he does it that way he'll he'll end up being you know a really great strong actor and so he actually directed a play uh which was great so it was it was, it was good to see him grow in that kind of direction like he he directed the play at his uh poorest alma mater, so he took the old high school kids and and uh, and directed a really cool play did a good great job.
0: So as long as he's happy and he's doing it his way,
1: yeah. You support him. Yeah, that's it. I think that's, you know, life. That's one thing. I didn't name him Cedric Jr. or nothing like that. We didn't want to have kids, you know, my kids having to kind of live in those in those kind of shadows and that kind of thing. So he's this old guy, man. And, you know, I you know, we talk about that and try to encourage that. And of course I'll help you whatever you want to do. And, you know, I'll throw my weight around. You want to come on? What do you want to do, kid? Oh, I got, I know people. You know people? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I got some favors. I got some favors out there. But, uh, so, but, you know, but in general, he's just like having a good time. And, you know, and I told him, it, you know, at 22, you don't have to have it all figured out. That's kind of the thing that happens, especially with the with, with boys. They feel like they have to have it all. He stressed himself out so much a couple years back just, feeling like he needed to have all the answers. And I was bro, like, oh. like, oh, come on, man.
0: Never happens. Never.
1: No, by the way. No, no matter of fact, no, no matter. I was like, I was, well, I, didn't even, I don't think I started doing comedy too. I was like 28, I
0: think I was 27, 28 years old. I was late in life. But you're in the really functionally the middle of a great run. Yeah. And the question becomes where, and you're so, you know, there's a fearlessness to what you're willing to do. I mean, you know, go even going into barbecue, you know, with a friend, that's ambitious yeah a lot of guys don't want to do that they'll just put their name on something you know get yeah. a licensing fee and then go on their way you want to own it i remember i remember it was a long time ago but you even got into the racing game where yeah. you, you wanted yeah. Yeah. um At i champ remember yeah the, the champs yeah. Yeah. Champ um, cars and that's just you see an opportunity you go for it you yeah. see it all related to the entertainment yeah yeah it was one of those
1: unique spaces uh you know, again, I was uh, I was doing a lot of stuff with Bud Light at the time, and, you know, everybody was kind of trying to go into the NASCAR space, and, you know, Champ Cars was international, and I thought, okay, this is different, and so we we actually, you know, we went and raced around the world, and I won. I won in Australia. We went down. We placed in, in New Mexico. I was able to be like, you know, take my name and my brand around around the world in these races, and I mean it was like super expensive sport and it wasn't enough real estate uh for, you know, like um you know, but like, you know, it didn't necessarily transfer over to, you know, Australia like they they, they want to drink moose head or something. Yeah, like, you know, so so it was like I Blood water, of their they, enemies. Yeah, they
0: didn't yeah. yeah they didn't, it's much harder yeah, stuff. Yeah, much They're, <laughs> they're like, t- tough people. What is this what is just water? <laughs> it's tough, tough people. Yeah. I had a guy try to put his finger through my cheek playing down there. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like, and yeah. he did not think he did anything wrong, by the way. He was like, that's the game. That's, that's the, the game, game, mate. And I said, I don't know, whatever it you want. Shit. You got a finger that can go through my cheek. I'm going to give you some attention. I'll tell this you that right now. But it was very ambitious for you to do it. What do you see out there when you're like, okay, here's what I want to do that I haven't done? Oh, man. You know, I think, uh, you know, for me, it's
1: definitely, I'm, I'm on building this business right now. You know, I started to, of course, look at people that's that's transitioned from their, you know, their their core business like like Magic Johnson, you know, people I really love and admire to, to to take a to have a great kind of um second act. Not saying that I would ever stop doing, you know, um doing this, but great second act. Um
0: brand extension.
1: Yeah, brand extension, but really but really not again, not just about the labeling. I mean, you you know. But the food is going to be the thing. Food's going to be one of them for sure. Uh, uh, that's definitely like leading the pack. We got some real cool stuff there that I'm really excited about. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we're into it. Like, you know, we're, we're out here, you know, looking at, you know, building this whole thing up and not rushing it, but, you know, have a, have a strategy to build a business.
0: Now, one of your people had said that you were thinking about getting into the sock business and you were going to send over... Cedric's decorative hose. They mm-hmm. were called hosiery. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's a controversial choice. Yeah. Oh. Very high, too. Yeah. Hose.
1: yeah. Well, you know, it's because. And uh, I'm a 70s kid. I remember high people socks. I love those, though. You know, it's coming back. I mean, it, and they, they're tight. So it's. Socks have made a big comeback. Yeah. It's the kind of hosiery, though, that, you know, a man's man. Yeah, wears, it's just you know, men's hosiery. And you take it Joe off. Joe Namath tried and it. You
0: scratch. That didn't work out so well when he did the well, legs did commercial. The leggings,
1: yeah. It was like, girl, with the But I think it's was the high heels. They kind of threw <laughs> Listen, I'll
0: tell you what. I don't like to admit this very often, but I tried it. When Joe Namath did that, you know, he showed a hero to it. me. I was a Jets fan. Okay. And the, my mom used to have the plastic eggs. You know, the legs, yes, the legs came cool. in the in yes, the egg. Nice.
1: Did Saw the, the egg.
0: Oh, that and, was a mistake,
1: Cedric. putting put it on, and then— Because that was— The form shape you— But to this day, you have really great legs. Uh, you know what? And, they and make a think difference. think about it. And think about that. Like, that's what people— people. You see the ballers now. They're all wearing the compression yeah. gear. Yeah, and, and, the, the and the shorts have got shorter. All right, the there's guys, something to it. And so somewhere in there, and now they call it compression. Compression. It's the same. Hosiery. It's the same yeah. thing. These guys, yeah, compression socks. No, you're
0: wearing stockings with me. Yeah.
1: That's okay. Yeah, you might as well sit in the front row of the church with your uh, yeah. napkin over
0: your head. I'm, I'm all right with that. Okay. I, I you I know, it. if it makes you feel good. I am. I'm a big fan of that. You church. should be loud and proud about it. Yeah. I'm
1: but I'm just thinking, if
0: you're going to extend the brand.
1: So, Hosiery. Ho, ho. Yeah. It is a no W. Decatur of. Hosiery. Is a W-H? Yeah. Hosiery. I mean, you're have to work on that part. Okay. Because yeah. you could be really yeah. Because I I love, I love the controversy
0: of it, too. Like, people are like, what is he saying? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what do you mean by that? Well, one of the nice things about this is that I get to talk to people that have made a difference for me. And you have had me laugh in different ways for a long time. I, do, I look very forward to what you're going to do. I love what you're entering uh, as a space with your friend Anthony. But I have to say, I think the kings of comedy was one of the most impactful things for comedy, period. The way you guys dressed, the way, you know, you presented uh, obviously wound up leading uh, to a really good relationship with you with Harvey. Yeah. But the way you guys came out, it was so big, yeah. you know, and it it made us revere comedy uh, in a way that seems so right and purposeful. And did that matter to you? And has it stayed with you? And is it something you hear about consistently about the impact you had on people well, by elevating it for sure
1: for sure, definitely and, you know and it was one of those things too because at the time um you know we were all like kind of individual headliners where your ego was was one thing at that time because you know I, I would be able to go to you know you know the beacon theater or somewhere right and be able to sell this thing out and i was my own person right and so uh, then you know the idea for us to come together, and I re- I remember being younger. It used to be this thing called the Superfest of uh, music, right? But it was the first time you saw like all these acts together: Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, they all on one show. Shaka Khan, and so and you're like, oh, this is an amazing night. And that's what it reminded me of when the guy presented it. It's like everybody's gonna be there, all of you guys on one show, and we're doing arenas. And it was like the first time um, to do an arena tour uh, was amazing. And and so, you know, it definitely changed. It definitely changed the, even though other people had done like the individuals. I remember, uh, of course, Dice Clay did an arena tour. Eddie Murphy did an arena. And I believe Martin had done one by then. But nobody had kind of pre- presented as, hey, this is, you know, this is the Beatles it's like, show. Yeah, it's whatever. like comedy rock stars. Yeah, Exactly. And it was it definitely changed everything. And Until this day, it still resonates. You know, people are always like, when y'all gonna do another one? And it was just one of those things. And you know, and we we got very close right before Bernie passed uh, of of doing a, You know, another quick run and shooting the special. But uh, once B Mag passed, we just kind of like eh, then it, it just never felt like it was gonna be the yeah. Like, who would you? You know, that's the question too. Who who would be the fourth quick king now? Like if you was gonna do it, and I was like, well, everybody's like these old... Anybody that you would name, they, they don't need to be in a group, you know, at this point. Like, you know, Kevin is out of this world, and Chappelle's out of this world, and Rock's out of this Everybody, them the only
0: guys, I guess, you know, that you would say, all right, cool, that's the fourth king, you know. I think that you stick with the original. Yeah. And you'll always be known as that. Yeah,
1: I agree. So, you know, I, I, I still feel it's a, definitely a cool story to be told and an opportunity that told. I was trying to get Steve to come back out and do like just one little quick run, man, and we can have some good fun, and we'll and we'll do some stuff where we just put together a, a Bernie set, or you know, and take some pieces and put it on, and let people just see them on on camera, and just like let them do a set, like you know, from some old material
0: that people hadn't seen, like you know, like they do. I like it. Like, Remaster. I like it. Uh, yeah, that'd be dope. I do. I, I mean, because there's only you know the, the you're only an original once. Yeah. Right. And you guys did it, man, and it meant so much for me and our whole generation. Yeah, uh, you, you'll always be a king of comedy. Yeah, man. And you earned it. And Cedric, I appreciate you so nice, much, you brother. Man, thank you, man. Thank you. It's I look awesome. forward to your success. Anything I can do to help with any of it, I'm here for it. Yeah, man. And I appreciate you coming and uh, this is awesome. Man. Having really a sit came, on the couch.
1: Came through the crib, man. I pulled
0: up. <laughs> I got to tell you, I will eat the man's barbecue sauce, even though I think you're supposed to call a dip, to be honest. But he's funny, and I just like what he's about. And that matters to me And when I'm going to buy something, and he's made me laugh for so long, and that is a gift. I hope it was to you as well. Thank you for following. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for remembering News Nation and giving it a try, 8 and 11 p.m., five nights a week. I appreciate you, and I look forward to seeing you again.